Hey guys, welcome to the Bill Barnwell Show. I am Bill Barnwell. Today, it's the second in our series of Super Bowl podcasts previewing the game. Earlier this week, we had Damian Woody breaking down the battle in the trenches and what it's like to actually play in a Super Bowl. This man, to my knowledge, has not played in a Super Bowl. I have not played in a Super Bowl, but we have paid close attention to these two teams and have lots of thoughts about what's going to happen on Sunday. And joining me to do that is a man who has podcasted from several Super Bowls, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct, Greg Rosenthal? Everyone since uh, the Patriots lost to your Giants back in 2008, except for except for the COVID year. Yeah, you did. You were that far back. I was working for NBCSports.com at the time, and yeah, that was my first Super Bowl, and it was a lesson in professionalism because uh, I had to do like a five-minute digital video hit immediately after the game of like the five reasons why the Giants won, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm such a pro. Like I handled that. You wouldn't even notice, and then I watched it the next day, and I looked like my dog had just died or something. I guess I I didn't hide it too well. <laughs> you, you were apparently rooting for the Patriots in that game. Is that true? Yes, that's true. <laughs> I mean, I saw Randy Moss score that touchdown and uh, on my end of the field, you know, I'm up in the auxiliary. I'm like, wow, my first Super Bowl ever. This is a dream. And my like favorite player on the Patriots just scored mm-hmm. a game winning touchdown uh, to go undefeated. Like what could be better? And then five minutes later, it was like, oh, shoot. People don't realize the 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 life of the the auxiliary press box where yeah. I, I have spent a Super Bowl as well. Um it's not the same as the regular press box. It's still cool to go, but it's a little different. You know what? It's better. Um I've been you think involved, it's better. I've been bounced around and we're back. We've been back in the auxiliary uh the last handful of years. It's ultimately better to just be in the crowd. Um being in the press box, which is usually hermetically sealed with no noise and people are just kind of weird about it. I just I still would just rather be at the game. You you can make do uh from from the high seats. Man, what a man of the people. <laughs> Greg Rosenthal wants to be there with the commoners at the Super Bowl. I want to be able to yell out a little bit. I'll never forget standing up when like Larry Fitzgerald scored that touchdown against the Steelers and I like just involuntarily like stood up and said, "Holy, you know what?" and and like these eagles you know, miserable beat writers next to me were just gave me a look of like no cheering, you know, that sort of thing. It's like, calm down. I didn't even keep you calm down. No, uh, it, it, it's a different experience. I was next to Mike Sando for my Super Bowl experience. I really enjoyed that. Um, I, I, I like there's like a how can I put this? There's definitely, at least for me, an element of like, oh, he's in the press box or she's in the press box and I'm in the auxiliary <laughs> press box, which is not healthy and not yeah, not that, something that, that is annoying. should actually be doing. Um, doesn't stop me, though. Um, anyway, people don't care about this. People care about the Super Bowl. Let's talk about that, Greg. Let's talk about this game. 49ers and Chiefs, a fun game. I'm excited to see what happens. I think I know who I'm picking. I gave a little bit of a hint at it in the show I did with Damien earlier this week, but maybe you'll talk me out of it. Maybe you'll talk me into the other side mm. of the equation here. So I want to start, we're going to talk about the more of the passing game here in this episode after hitting more of the run game and the offensive line earlier with Damien. Let's start with the 49ers and let's start with Brock Purdy. Fair to say he's been up and down this postseason. He's really struggled at times in the first half. The Niners have fallen behind in both of their two playoff games so far this postseason, and yet Purdy has turned things around. He's managed to find ways to win. 
He's played excellent football down the stretch in each of these last two games. So, Greg, any concerns from you in how Brock Purdy has played so far during the postseason? No, that, that they are not. He's not as high on my list of some 49ers concerns as oh. others because I, I just think for the most part, he's been about what we saw in the regular season. Obviously, the Packers game didn't go how he wanted, but that was a game in the NFC Championship that, to me, and tell me tell me if you disagree, when I rewatched that on, on coaches and everything and kind of got out of the emotion of the game, I was definitely pulling for the lines. And all. I was like, wow, you know, pretty... Pretty, I thought, played well in that game. I actually was surprised his PFF score was was what it was passing because I, I usually have like a, a pretty good feel of how those are going to be. He made five to seven really good throws, even if you throw away uh, the running. And, and yeah, these are high variance throws. And can you mm-hmm. keep repeating that? I don't know. Um, but I thought he dealt pretty well with pressure. I thought overall he was a big reason why they won and I don't come away from like every 49ers game feeling that way so that mm-hmm. that performance and again tell me tell me if you disagree especially after we watching it I was like okay he he was ready for this game it things didn't go perfectly but I, I think he played pretty well yeah I, I thought he did play well I thought he was better in the Lions game than he was in the Packers game way better I didn't think he played well in the Packers game that was one of his worst games of the season I thought yeah I I, I did feel like he he seemed more confident. It seemed like he had more answers or was comfortable finding those answers in the Lions game. It wasn't always perfect. It was a little sloppy at stretches, but it wasn't like, even when they were trailing, it didn't feel like the game was getting away from him. It felt like, you know, they got the ball. They were doing fine. They were moving the football. Um, he was on time with his decisions. He did have that one absolutely insane, like scrambling throw against my body three-yard pass to Jawan Jennings, which I I I don't know what's what it's gonna take for Brock Purdy to not make those throws, but it feels like it's, not gonna happen, it's just it, it's it's just gonna be part of what he does and he's gonna get away with it. But you know, it felt like he pretty consistently was confident and knew where to go with the football. And, and to me, I think that's so much of the battle when it comes to playing quarterback in this offense. Yeah, I, obviously the matchup's going to be harder, but I, I don't think their offensive line has passed protected very well in these two games, so that's a concern. Obviously, how is he going to deal with pressures? But he, even like that first series, even in that game, two of his first three throws, the out to Debo, and and there was another one, were really impressive, and then he almost throws a pick with with, with the with the one in the middle, and that's, that's kind of typical for him. Um, he is eighth in the in the NFL, like for qualifiers in turnover worthy plays like per throw by PFF and fourth in big time throws. And I just think people don't see Purdy that way, but it makes total sense to me. And there's like a group of people that are uh, of quarterbacks that had that profile this season. Gino was one. Um, Stafford was another where it was like, yeah, he'll in. And you don't think of like Purdy as that guy, but the next level throws were there. It's just kind of like is he had a big time throw to Debo on a, on a crosser in that game. I, I think he can mm-hmm. make the high level plays. It's just if Spagnolo can cook him up and, and confuse him enough to to be aggressive in, in spots that he shouldn't be and maybe he doesn't get away with it this time. Here we go. That's exactly what I wanted to talk about. So the Chiefs play man at one of the highest rates in all of football. But Brock Purdy torches man coverage the Niners have the best uh EPA per play against man coverage 
of any team in the last 10 years. Wow. So let's start there. If you're the Chiefs and you're Steve Spagnolo, are you going to be aggressive in this game? Are you going to come after Brock Purdy because that's your defensive identity? Or do you play this more conservative because you're afraid those the the the, the playmakers Purdy that they're going to rip you apart if you play man coverage? I, I assume he's going to mix it up a lot. And you're right to, to not play man much at all would take away what Kansas City does so well and, and did incredibly in, in that Ravens game. But I think what Spagnuolo, he talked about this. Uh, you're in Vegas already as we're taping. Yes. I, I'm not, but I, I saw one thing he said. Our friend Doug Farrar had him quoted on opening night about how intelligent and mature this secondary is. And that's really mm-hmm. allowed Spagnolo to mix it up maybe as much as he ever has. And and I would say that's the defining aspect to me of this Chiefs defense being so good is that they seem like the old Patriots defense on hyperdrive. And you don't think of the Chiefs like this, but they're dialing up different coverages and different looks every drive, every quarter, every half, every game. Like they really change it up on a game to game basis. And I think with going against Kyle Shannon, because I think that's the matchup. He's going against Shanahan. Whereas Steve Wilkes is going against Patrick Mahomes, you know, Mm -hmm. Purdy's going to execute what's there. And I just think they're going to have to throw a lot of different looks at him. It's it's kind of a a cop out answer, but, but to answer your question, I think they still will be quite aggressive. It's just picking the right spots to do it and, and trusting in those guys, Lajarius need and Trent McDuffie and, and, and the rest of the play, like they're deep there and trusting them to hold up in man when, when they do dial it up. So you mentioned Snead, and I think that's one of the fascinating questions about this game and about what the Chiefs want to do on defense. Ladarius Snead has spent most of the year, not all of the year, but most of the year, shadowing the opposing team's top receiver. When they played the Vikings earlier in the year, he shadowed Justin Jefferson. When they played the Bears, he was on DJ Moore. When they played the Eagles, he was on AJ Brown. And he's been very good at taking those players out of the game. But the Niners have like four number one receivers in different ways. So if you are Steve Spagnolo and you're going to play man coverage and you're going to stick Legereus Snead on one guy, which guy are you picking? I would pick Brandon Ayuk for that. Really? That's not Debo. I just think Ayuk is Debo is like an impossible cover in some ways anyways. And he's, he's going to move around. Uh, but he, McDuffie to me in the slot as much as possible makes sense. Cause he's, the best in the game. He's so good on third down. He, he, he wins. He can be the guy pressuring and obviously, so then he's not in coverage. Sneed's gotten used to, I think covering the best route runner on the other team. So that to me makes the most sense. I mm-hmm. look, I think it's hard to pick. You, there's no point in picking between Ayuk and Debo, but I don't think it's an easy, like if the 49ers could only have one of those two bill, who do you think Kyle is picking for the game? I don't know what the answer is, <laughs> But man, Ayuk does everything so well that personally, I I think I would pick Ayuk because there's there's nothing you you can't ask him to do. He's improved so much as a route runner. He can do some of the Debo stuff. He's obviously got great yak abilities. Just he's great, and so that to me is a matchup that that makes more sense. And Debo is almost like you have to cover him as a team. You have to have some sort of plan. He he is his own special position that one man cannot handle. Yeah, um, he's such a unique player and. That yards after catch situation is going to be 
I don't know if it decides the game, but such a big part of the game. The Niners, the best yards after catch over expectation team in football per the NFL's next-gen stats. The Chiefs, I think, second best in football at preventing yards after catch over expectation. So good tackling team, obviously an incredible team after the catch on the other side of the football. I'll I'll give you one more Purdy question. Mm Mm-hmm. How much do you feel like Kyle Shanahan trusts Purdy when it comes to situations where he doesn't have to just sort of blindly stick with him? Because obviously in the second half when they've trailed, they've had to throw and Purdy's done well. But we've seen at the end of the first half of these games, for example, Kyle Shanahan has not necessarily been all that comfortable uh, being aggressive, putting the ball on, on Brock Purdy's shoulders and letting him march down the field. He's been more conservative with his timing. Do you feel like he's in a place where he trusts Brock Purdy as much as he trusts like Matt Ryan during that year with the Falcons, for example. Mm-hmm. Probably not quite, but I think he trusts him enough. He certainly trusts him more than Jimmy G. I, I think that situation at the end of the first half and, and we've seen it occasionally this year, but certainly over Shanahan's career is just more in his bones. He needs to be aggressive. It's not so much. I mean, you don't need to make Brock Purdy any more aggressive. He He's going to be aggressive and, um, situationally trying to get points, whatever you can leaning into what you're good at. And I I think the 49ers have slowly come to the realization. This is an offensive team. And so I -hmm. I do think he's going to look at this game and not assume that he can hold the chiefs offense down, even though I know it says the same chiefs offense as usual. And I I think he will trust Purdy and he's going to just trust the matchups. Like we haven't talked about the chiefs linebackers at all. But mm. I just think he's gonna he's gonna see Tranquil and Bolton and Gay and and they're all good at various things. But he's he's gonna be confident that they're gonna be able to expose those guys uh, with with the play calls that they have. We might have who knows we might have use check making big plays again. Down the- he did have a touchdown, almost had two touchdowns the last time these two teams played. Um, you anticipated my next question as a great podcast guest. You knew exactly what I was going to ask you. I'm going to reference our friend Stephen Ruiz, who does great work for The Ringer, always has that Kyle Shanahan microscope meme ready for one player on the opposing defense that Kyle Shanahan is going to exploit. He's had two weeks to prepare for the Chiefs. If there's any player who you think is going to be under that microscope if the Mm. Niners play well, who do you think that microscope will fall on Sunday? That is a good question. I mean, I immediately think linebacker. And so then I would think Nick Bolton because Nick Bolton is so integral to what the Chiefs do that he's not mm-hmm. leaving the field. Yeah. Um, but I, I think he could look at him in, in pass coverage. And look, Nick Bolton, I remember that Super Bowl well last year. He played great in that Super Bowl. So I don't mm-hmm. I don't know if that's like a totally winning strategy necessarily, but that's that's the first one that comes to mind. Maybe it's Willie Gay being a little more aggressive um, or, or when Tranquil's out there, but that's my first instinct. I am going even deeper. I'm saying Leo Chanel is going mm. to be the guy who Kyle Shanahan picks on because I do think this is a situation for the Niners where they're going to play their base offense, right? Like if you're the Niners – you want to have as few defensive backs on the field as possible. That's the strength of this Chiefs team. And so you want to come out with Juszczyk. You want to come out with Kittle. You want them to be in their base defense. And that means Leo Chanel. I think Drew Tranquil is only going to be like a sub if Willie Gay is not able to play or he's going to sub in for, for Gay 
rotate there. I think it'll be Chanel. And so Chanel, I think, has had, I think he had, when, when Bolton was hurt, he was playing more. But when Bolton came back, I think he had 12 third down snaps all season. So I don't think they want him in the passing game. To me, I think that's the guy, if I had to pick a player, the, the fourth the fourth best linebacker on the Chiefs roster is the guy I think Mahomes is going to want to go after. Or sorry, uh, Shanahan's going to want to go after. Yeah, they, it makes total sense. I I struggle, and this is something that would apply to this entire podcast, mm-hmm. in evaluating how much to base on just the playoffs, how much to base on the season, how much to base on, on careers. And I tend to base a lot on the playoffs because there's only so many teams playing and we're we have the time to maybe break down the games in a way that that we don't fully in the mm-hmm. season. Right. And I think Bolton struggled uh, in these playoffs that that both Buffalo and Baltimore had some wins throwing in his direction. And so I think that's in my head. Um, he, he's obviously a great player. And and Spagnola says he's the key to the whole thing. Like he, he is one of their leaders, but I, I don't think of him as a great coverage guy. But I, you know, look, he had he had his moments uh, in a big game last year. The only thing you could say, like, like you said, Bolton's going to be out there for sure. He is their one true, mm-hmm. every down, no ifs or buts linebackers when he's healthy. So absolutely, if Kyle Shanahan wants a third down conversion, he can know for sure Bolton's going to be out there. That's a guy I can target. Are you concerned at all about uh, the Chiefs' defensive line now that Charles Amenahu who's out for the year? Um, they're not going to have Derek Nadi in this game. Um, it's going to be Felix Anadike. Azuma is going to be coming back into the rotation. We're going to have a lot of Chris Jones, a lot of George Karloftis, a lot of um, Michael Dana. It's not exactly the most star-laden defensive line that she used to ever run out in a Super Bowl. Do you think they can get pressure without blitzing on Brock Purdy? I'm, I'm concerned for that. I mean, it, mm-hmm. I think this offensive line has been a little vulnerable. They certainly have been in the playoffs. I, I think they've been a little overrated all year. Like, you have in all world left tackle. I think the rest of the group, it's more about scheme. And there have been spots where they gave up a lot of pressure. I'm thinking of the Minnesota game, certainly the green Mm -hmm. Bay game. I mean, look, um, I love Chris Jones in a big spot. He's just, he's just one of those players that like at this point now, I sort of expect him to make the hall of fame because not just that he's been at the top of his game, but just, he really does play better in these big moments and has been on fire in these playoffs. Karloftis is a good player. Colton McKivitz mm-hmm. at right tackle is, is maybe the weakness there. So you can, you can maybe cause some pressure, but I have not come away from these games thinking, man, they're, they're great up front. I think the chiefs are probably a little better up front, even than the lions were. So I, I think they can get after him. Yeah. And it certainly feels like the weakness of the Niners is going to be the interior of their line. And that's where Chris Jones is going to be able to make a difference. Um, it's it, it it kind of feels like one of those things where they might get three or four chances, and whether those three or four chances turn into sacks or strip sacks or incompletions or pretty escapes and scrambles for twenty five yards feels like that may be such a huge factor in how this game plays out. Right, like his pick on in last in the NFC Championship game mm-hmm. wasn't that atypical. Like he will ha- he will hang in there. He had a better sense in that game certainly of when to scramble in the second half. But he has a little bit of Cam Newton slash Ryan Tannehill disease, which is like you don't know if they're just like so brave that they just stay in there to the last second. But that leads to 
um, throwing the ball while you're hit, which leads to problems. And, and people tend to not blame that on the quarterback. But like, I think that I would guess if you went back and looked at all those turnover worthy plays, he has uh, a decent amount of those where he stays in there to the last second mm-hmm. and something happens like it did in that Lions game leading to the pick. Daniel Jones demands that he be named with this disease as well. Well, no, I was trying to pick like good quarterbacks, you know. Oh <laughs> no, Ryan, Ryan Tannehill gets on the list, but not Daniel. Yeah, I mean, Jones. Ryan Tannehill was, you know, had a couple big time seasons. Ryan Tannehill's good, good, good player. Well, he may be the starting quarterback for the Atlanta, not the Atlanta Falcons, the Pittsburgh Steelers next year. He's going to be a playoff quarterback next year, Greg. He might not still be that level of a quarterback, but I will, I will defend him as a a uh, certainly better than average on the right line of what we call the Dalton scale scale on our podcast uh, for, for many years. Yeah. I feel like this is a Dalton scale question. If there ever was one, this podcast is proud to be supported by jets pizza. The number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why it's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country. There is no competition and right now get five dollars off any eight corner pizza with code eight save that's the number eight s-a-v-e go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a jets pizza location near you again try jet signature eight corner pizza and get five dollars off with code eight save that's number eight s-a-v-e jets pizza better because it has to be Let's switch to the Chiefs side of things on offense in the passing game. First thing that came to mind for me is the the tight end situation because, of course, Travis Kelsey is the focal point of the Chiefs passing attack. But, guys, the Niners have on the other side, Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw, pretty incredible set of coverage linebackers. So what I find interesting about this is we saw Sam Laporta just have a very solid game against the linebackers of the 49ers. He led the Lions in receiving yesterday, or yesterday, in the NFC Championship game. And Travis Kelsey is kind of looking dangerous. Kind of looks like the old Travis Kelsey. He's averaging eight for 87 and a touchdown this postseason. So, two-part question for you, Greg. Do you think Travis Kelsey can have that kind of game again against Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw? And if he does not, do you think the Chiefs have any hope of winning? <laughs> it, it goes down a lot if if you don't have Kelsey at least with like a six for 70 type of line where at least he's making first down. I don't think they win without like Travis Kelsey having three to four first downs in this game. It's just hard to imagine. Um, and, and a yes. bigger game would, would be great. And I think the extra week off is, is great for him in particular uh, to get that juice back, which it feels like he's had in the playoffs, the extra... You know, week uh, sitting in week 18 seemed to help, and, and mm-hmm. this will help. He, he made some crazy contested catches. I thought it was so telling that two of their first three plays were to Kelsey in that first drive. They were just great plays against good defense on his on that fourth down and on the touchdown. Um, you know, as measured, he's three for three in contested catches in that game. I don't know if that's like a repeatable strategy. You know, he, he would have been way under 50% for the season, like everyone is. Uh, you know, making contested catches. And yet I there is something intangible about Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes at this point that I do believe that, well, they just they don't have to do it every week. They just have to do it this week. And I do think they can do it against Warner and Greenlaw just because those guys 
are incredible and Warner's had his moments in the playoffs, but the, the 49ers defense as a whole has been a little undisciplined and they've allowed guys to get open and they, they felt very boomer bust on tape. I think you're kind of speaking to it with Laporta and I certainly give Andy Reed uh, a chance to set Kelsey up with the route combinations to, to get him open and, and get good matchups. I thought you were going to call them very boomer on defense, which seemed very harsh. That's like a Saints description for their defense, not the Niners. Um, you bring up some really good points about the Niners defense and their undisciplined nature. I We've been doing this for a while. You love telling me how old we are and how long we've been covering the NFL whenever I do a podcast with you. So this is your opportunity to do that here. I didn't. I, you brought it up early on with the Super Bowl. I didn't, I didn't say anything. La, la, every other time, okay. I feel like I, I beat that. you to the punch. No, it's fine. I love it. It it it, it makes me feel accomplished in a way that I think I do not <laughs> actually feel. So I appreciate it. But um, with uh with the Niners this week, there's been Kyle Shanahan. It's been other people. I think Steve Wilkes has come out and said this, basically criticizing the defense for not hustling enough. And I know there's some element of like. Let's just remind the players of the sort of core competencies, the fundamentals. Let's make sure they're not not hustling in the Super Bowl. But in the time you've been covering the NFL, can you think of a situation or a team where heading into the Super Bowl, their coaches were like, man, you guys aren't hustling enough. Publicly, they were saying this about their team. Because to me, I can't recall a situation where coaches were this negative about their defense heading into a Super Bowl in the NFC championship game. Like we're talking effort. It, it I'm with you. It blew my mind and it made sense. They've played poorly. Um, I, I'm not trying to give away my, my pick or I don't care. I will give away my pick. Like <laughs> the thing that stuck out that has stuck out the most to me is that these, this 49ers defense, like is something is wrong in a pretty serious way mm-hmm. in their last three big games. And that's the Ravens game. Yep. And that's these two playoff games and that they have been lucky to survive it. And I, it's hard for us to talk effort, but it's bizarre that we're talking effort in these kind of games. And they have great players that are playing yes. well. Like Bosa is playing great. Warner, I think, is playing well. Ward is playing great. But as a collective, like something has been missing. They've been more or less a below average defense for more than half the season. So it's not just uh the playoff game where where playoff games where they've struggled but it they've sort of defied my usual logic which is the basic like well like if you're winning up front on both sides like you'll win and i haven't felt like they're that team they haven't really been that team which is very surprising considering their defensive line yes it, it sort of felt like when they've had moments in the past where they've struggled kind of like the eagles maybe I think might might be the comparison I would think of, where it's like, okay, like yeah, like secondary might be a, might might have some issues. We've had some injuries. We've had to sub some guys in, but like we can always rely on our defensive line. Like if mm-hmm. if even if we're having struggles behind them, we can always trust that our line's going to play at a high level. And I think Bose is playing well. I think, especially after rewatching the Packers game, Javon Hargrave played well in that game. I think Rick Armstead's been fine, but everyone else. I am very iffy on how they're playing. I think Chase Young has really struggled and has been like he was getting sealed easily by wide receivers when the Lions were running outside in that game. Like it was a 
it felt like Josh Reynolds was having a field day blocking Chase Young in that game. And I think the entire line has been sloppy. I think even though Bose is playing well, I still think they've been able to target him in the run game. The Ravens were able to. I think the Lions were able to as well. I think they took advantage of them being aggressive and trying to make big plays. And it's not like you could view it as undisciplined. You could view it as pressing. You could do it as improvising. Like it's one of those things where maybe if you're getting good results, you see it as a positive thing. But if, since you're not getting good results, you're seeing it as a negative thing. But to me, it feels like unless that Niners defensive line has a great game, which they did the last time these two teams played in the Super Bowl for three quarters, I don't trust the people behind them as good as I think Warner and Greenlaw are. I don't trust them to hold up against a pretty mediocre set of Chiefs receivers. Yeah, I like I want to get to the the secondary, but I think everything you're saying with the the defensive front is is spot on and it's it's confusing. And it's just one game. You don't want to overreact, but they got to hand it to them by Detroit. Like even Armstead and and mm-hmm. Hargrave were were quite quiet in that game. And the over aggressiveness in terms of like the run fits and, and getting run into the outside, like that's that's the book on them now because Baltimore, all three of these games I just mentioned, that's happened in all those games and they haven't really had a, a solution for it. Now, that's not like Kansas City's bread and butter. Will Andy Reid, number one, like stay patient enough to to run the ball enough if it, if it's working? Mm-hmm. Um, and then are they going to like have it like, enough of these outside, you know, they'll certainly try it and see what they get. Like it wouldn't shock me to see a little more Edwards Hilaire in this game, who I think's looked good in the playoffs. Um, he's not getting a lot of snaps, but he's made like four or five, you know, plays each game where you're like, Oh, well that's kind of the old uh, Edwards Hilaire. And he, and he would fit mm-hmm. with that sort of strategy. And and I want to see that because I thought it was, it was encouraging for the chiefs. You know, and again, it was early, but like when they got to the six yard line in the in the AFC championship game and they just ran it twice up the middle and scored. I think they got four yards the first play and then just again ran it up there. I was like, wow, Andy Reid just doing like the most normal thing ever. This is great. Like, and I, I think that could work against this 49ers team. I do, too. And I oh, boy, this is a dangerous thing to say. Andy Reid does get too cute, and I hate the phrase too cute, but he does inside the five-yard line. He does not get too cute in terms of his broader game planning. Like, if they're running core run core run concepts like power, or if they're running duo, if they're running uh, counter and it's working, I do think he's going to stick with it. I don't think he's going to be like, I have to throw the ball 40 times because I have Mahomes. And I think Mahomes is going to check them into positive situations as well. This is a Niners right. team that plays a wa- classic topic of discussion from old football internet they play a wide nine front typically with their guys (laughs) you can run on that wide nine front they're they are going to be without joe tooney most likely and that's going to hurt you would figure but i just trust that like they have a quarterback who's and a coach who's going to get them into positive situations and in those moments where bosa does have a good rush or hargrave does get home i trust that mahomes is going to escape and uh, either limit it to a incompletion as opposed to a sack or a fumble or an interception or scramble and pick up yardage that way. It, I, I'm with you. And it's interesting because this I would think this is the mo- most expensive defensive line. It's funny how similar all these 49ers Super Bowl teams are because yes. even though it was a Jim Harbaugh-led team, I just feel like there's such a connection uh, in terms of the type of team they are to the 
to the 2012 season team and then certainly to the one five years ago. Uh, but what is different about this one is the those those auxiliary pass rushers just haven't done it, whether it's, mm -hmm. you know, Gregory or whoever mm -hmm. else they're playing on the edge. And and even the, the starters haven't been as uh, big difference makers as they were five years ago, mm -hmm. I don't think, or or 10 years ago, certainly. It doesn't feel like they're going to take over this game. Whereas I remember I picked the Niners the first time these two teams played, and it was because I thought the defensive line would take over. And they did for like two and a half quarters. They were great. Although the matchup, you know, we haven't mentioned the, the tackles for the Chiefs. And yep. the matchup is is better, certainly. They did just play two really good offensive lines and, and definitely on the edge. And now with, with Tooney gone, this is... This is a beatable Chiefs offensive line, and you've almost seen it in their play calling. They have not been doing a lot of um, – they've had a pretty conservative offensive game plans maybe to, to make up for that. Yeah, and, you know, I wonder. This is a – it's always tough to project how games are going to be called by the officials. I do think Super Bowls tend to be pretty conservative in terms of referees tend to, at least until the final couple minutes, swallow their whistles. So – that kind of seems like it would favor the Chiefs. Like they hold more on offense. Lajarius Sneed is, I think, has the most penalties of any defensive player in football. Wow. Um, it kind of feels like it kind of feels like they're going to be it, it, like if it is a game where you can kind of get away with a lot. It feels like the Chiefs might benefit from that more than the Niners would. Well, I hope so. Those are more fun games to watch until uh... <laughs> you love holding. Or, no, I, I don't at all. But you don't want to. You don't want it to be like a super flag heavy game. And although. Uh... Yeah, James Bradbury sticks sticks strong in my mind of like the, how that robbed us of a more fun ending. I just want the most fun ending possible. Like, that's what I want. Do you have faith in any of the Chiefs wide receivers to be a, a, a value add to the offense in this game? Yeah, I think at this point, it, it, it wouldn't surprise me if... if Marcus Valdez Scantling has like two plays in this game, but two important <laughs> plays. I mean, that I'm yes. not trying to damn with frame praise. He's not going to look at him that that much, but he's going to be on the field a ton. And the secondary for the 49ers, I, I think for the most part, it is is maybe underrated, is good. Um, but one of the safety spots, whether it's Jair Brown, who I thought really struggled in the last game, or, or maybe they play Logan Ryan uh, in that spot. And then... You know, the the second corner, I, I think Lenore's played well, but in, in general, like looking for the right matchups. Um, I could see him making having like a two for 58. You know what I mean? He just Ooh. at this point, he's like the poor man's Sammy Watkins playoff Sammy. You know, I feel like he's Mr. Conference Championship game. Because remember last year he had to play that Bengals game where everyone else got hurt and it was him and Marcus Kemp were the only two healthy wide receivers left on the roster and MVS went for like 120. So I think he's just Mr. Conference championship game. I don't know if he's going to have a big game here. They might, they might get Sky Moore back. You can't, you can't play Sky Moore in this spot. You can't play Sky Moore. He scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. But what, you know, that was a, that was like a winning play call. That was anyone, I, not anyone, but I feel like the chiefs could, they would probably run. It would probably be Richie James's route this year, and I would trust Richie more. It was like kind of sneaky. Richie James, I feel like played a decent amount in that AFC Championship. It was like, wow, Richie, Richie James out here. And but I think they're gonna. I think they know what they found. The players they trust. It's it's obvious. It's it's Rice. It's Kelsey. It's Pacheco. And 
it's Justin Watson to a lesser degree of Valdez Scantling, but he'll be out there and they're going to have to scheme it up. But in, or Patrick Mahomes is going to have to just buy a bunch of time and something crazy is going to happen. But yes, I, I think they have like just enough to, to make it happen. Seven routes from Richie James in the conference championship game. That's it. Okay. Maybe I just remember it. Uh, they, they have been doing like the two tight ends and the three tight ends. I know Noah Gray is out there most snaps at this point, and, that, and I like that. They're like a tougher team. Yes, 13 personnel. They've almost tripled their rate of 13 personnel mm. in the postseason and been successful doing so, which I think is something we're going to see them do to the Niners. I think they're going to force the Niners to be in their base defense. I think just as I'm going to pick on Leo Chanel on the, on the side of the offense for the, the Niners, I'm going to pick on Oren Burks the third linebacker for the 49ers, the former Packers starter is going to be the guy. I think they'll try and target in coverage and and do it with shorter routes, which, which we've seen at this point, they're, they're a safer offense than they used to be. I think they want to test if the 49ers defense is as good. You mentioned chiefs are a very good open field tackling team. I think they'll want to test the chiefs and, and Mahomes is just in this like taking a profit lifestyle right yes. now. He is just kind of zoned in, only doing what what he needs to do. And so I, I think they'll see if the the safe stuff will work. And and if not, I it is one of the biggest questions to me. And, and it's crazy is like how aggressive is Mahomes going to be in this game? Like he hasn't had a pick in the playoffs in six or seven games, and he wow. was extremely careful. Um, I thought in these last. Uh, in, in all these playoff games, you know, to his be- benefit, I think it, it makes sense with the team he has. And if Wilkes gets aggressive, setting some blitzes and blitzes mm-hmm. gave the chiefs a lot of problems. That was, that was probably the biggest negative I thought was like, once the Ravens defense settled into that game, the chiefs mm-hmm. actually didn't have a great answer for their Ravens blitzes. And they worked pretty consistently, which is, which is surprising to see from a Mahomes team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, I mean, the Ravens are incredible at dialing up those blitzes too. We'll see if the yes. Niners are as effective in dialing up those blitzes. Yeah, I, that's that's a really crazy stat. It didn't occur to me. The last time a Holmes threw an interception in the postseason was in that loss to the Bengals. It was the uh, the interception to Tyreek in overtime, which is mm. crazy. That feels like it was so long ago. And I could be wrong, but like in this playoffs, I I can't even think of a. A turnover worthy play. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't have one. So that's three games. Like he hasn't been close to throwing one. Yeah. It's amazing. He's been he's been Fangio pill. Remember the whole thing was oh, he doesn't like they they <laughs> can't beat cover two. And he's like, Well, screw you. I'm gonna be the most incredible quarterback at checking down. He has the shortest average pass of any quarterback in football this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is still producing at a high level, even with the drops from his receivers. Should we make a prediction, Greg? I'm fine with that, you know? Okay. You've hinted at what your prediction is going to be, but I'm going to let you go out. Who do you think is going to win, and how do you think it's going to happen? If you want to give us a score or a margin, you can as well. See, I'm, I'm prepped for this because we're we're taping Game Debut, which will air on, on Friday on NFL Network. There's a plug where, where me and Patrick Claybond and Cynthia Freeland, we all pick the game. So I'm, I had to send in my score early, and I've got Ooh. Chiefs 27 49ers 20. So a little bit more of a defensive game. That's like slightly under the number. If you're into that sort of thing and it, and it goes back to this 49ers defense to me is the unit that stands out. 
uh, in a negative way the most. Mm -hmm. This isn't like an anti Purdy. This this offense, I think, will get theirs. It's a great Chiefs defense, though. And I just don't care as much about the regular season anymore. I care about what I've seen the last three weeks, which is Patrick Mahomes playing at an extremely high level. And mm -hmm. so I just don't want to think too hard about it. Patrick Mahomes plus like a really good defense to me seems seems obvious enough. Uh, so like I'm I'm surprised they're underdogs in this game. I really am. Can I tell you what my prediction was going to be? <laughs> Please. Chiefs 27. Chiefs 27, Niners 20. <laughs> yes. Well, that means we're right. <laughs> We've never been wrong. We're on the, we're the exact same thing. Maybe, maybe I'll make it 30 to 20. No, because when it's 27, 20. You'll be annoyed. Okay. That's true. I will be. I'll be like that damn Rosenthal. Talk me out of it. Um, I I agree with you. I'm a little more skeptical of the Niners offense than you are. I, I ran the splits on Purdy versus top 10 defenses and versus everyone else. And it's it's pretty jarring. He drops by 20 points of QBR, which is opponent adjusted. Um, he drops by 24 points in passer rating. His completion percentage drops by seven points. Like I know everyone plays worse against top 10 defenses, but I even went and compared other quarterbacks and how they fall off. And he falls off much more precipitously against good defenses. Last one he played was the Ravens defense. And that game did not go well for Brock Purdy and company. Like not to say they don't have a chance because obviously they do. They were, they were still a very good team. They're literally favored and had one of the best offenses by DVOA, you know, of the last 20 years. Yes. But I just think, Mahomes really neutralizes pass rushes. Like in my preview, the, the lead thing is going to be Patrick Mahomes' secret superpower. And it's the ability to escape sacks. He has he's been he's barely been sacked the last two postseasons, in addition to the not throwing interceptions. Um, he's been so good at avoiding pressure, scrambling, turning again, like plays that should be sacks into incompletions, turning incompletions into scrambles, turning scrambles into completions. He's such a positive play merchant, and that's such a a valuable thing. It, it really neutralizes the biggest strength of this Niners team on paper, which is the pass rush. So yeah, weirdly, I'm like not that worried about the Chiefs offense going into this game. And and maybe I should be. Um, I just it, and I, I don't feel like incredibly confident. I felt confident enough to make it seven. And I, I definitely feel felt like this is the pick. And yet sometimes it is about players and can Brandon Ayuk, can Debo, can Kittle, can Trent Williams, in more than anyone, someone we haven't mentioned on the pod, really, can Christian McCaffrey just play their very best, just be truly exceptional with one of the best play callers we've ever had helping them along the way? That certainly is possible. I think this has been a special McCaffrey season. Like mm -hmm. it's up there with great running back seasons that that I feel like I've seen, and he he's at his very peak. and And can he? Can he do it? Like that is a route to winning. Like it certainly could happen that way, but not enough for me to change off my Barnwell approved 27-20. I don't know. Last time I picked the Niners and I was wrong. So uh this may be a two-person bandwagon, me and you at 27-20, but uh oh no, wait, I did pick against the Chiefs last year, so that was wrong. Maybe I'm I'm smarting from that. Did you pick did you pick them to win the last Yes, I remembered at that point I had never picked against Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. Period. Up and up through that, I just didn't overthink it because I, I uh, just kept picking them and they kept winning. So uh, classic. Uh, yeah, it's all I've heard about the Dan Campbell decision, Greg. Don't overthink it. You've applied that to your Super Bowl selection. Very wise of you. Where can people check out 
the rest of your coverage. Well, we'll be uh, cranking out the Around the NFL podcast on Radio Row Wednesday to Friday and then after the game from the stadium, which is always wow. which is always fun. Um, so I hope to see you there in Vegas on Radio Row. I know you're locking it down right now. <laughs> yes, I'm locking it down live from my hotel room here, not on Radio Row. But I'm sure I will see you. Greg, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, Bill. Thanks so much to Greg Rosenthal of NFL Network. I've been doing content with Greg for, gosh, 15, more than 15 years now, I think. So obviously, you know, I love Greg's work. Greg's the best. Hope you guys enjoyed our two, the second, I should say, of our three Bill Barnwell show episodes this week. The third one is going to be, I guess, a joint podcast, really a Mina Kimes and Dominique Foxworth show podcast that I'll be joining along with our friend Kevin Clark. So all of all, all the gang hanging out, talking football here in Vegas at our live podcast. If you can't join us in Vegas, well, check out the recording. It's going to be on all of our feeds later this week. So thanks so much for listening. And one final Super Bowl preview coming by the end of the week.